Welcome to the Carl Landry Record Club podcast. A music wait. <laughs> All right. Good one. Yeah. Welcome to the Carl Landry Record Club, a music podcast from the rights of Ricky Sanchez. I'm Spike Eskin, along with he of many Mootloos, Mootloo. Mootloo times 10. Yeah. Mootloo, 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 Mootloo. Our opening music is from Marion Hill. It is called I Should Let You Know. We're not doing albums this week. If you look at our feed, it's mostly, you know, three albums an episode. We talk about three albums, a mood album, me album, listener album. If you want to suggest one, do it in the Apple podcast reviews. Today, a very special episode as uh, we pay tribute to the late, great Earl Simmons, also known as Darkman X, DMX, with my friend and co-worker, Mr. Ike Reese of 94WIP and uh, and the former formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles friend to Tommy from down the shore. Yeah, I'm very excited for this because I've obviously uh, spoken to Ike so many times on the radio, yep. uh, both he and John Marks, of course, as Tommy from down the shore. So we've had a lot of interaction, you. but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never actually met him or spoken to him as Mutlu. So. This will be this will be big. It'll, It'll be, be a mind blower thing for him. It'll be like yeah. that that part in in Back to the Future where you know where he like touched. You can't touch yourself or you disappear. I feel like this right, will be right. like that. Yeah, for Ike. exactly, exactly. So the reason I chose Ike is I thought so. Ike and I have uh, we're both. We'll, we'll get into this during the pod, but we I think we favor similar kinds of rap. I think we, we both have the and we'll, again we'll get into this pod. I know his number one is my number one of all time, but I know he was a huge DMX fan and he is our age. So I thought. Uh, to bring a, a mega fan into the mix would be would be fun to talk about such a great artist. Yeah, I'm excited for this, man. I was, I mean, always. Well, we'll get into our list, but uh, always a DMX fan, you know. But even just kind of preparing for this, listening back, like what oh. what a body of work he has. I mean, and so many levels to what he did as an artist. Uh, yep. You know, it, it, this is this is. I'm really excited for this. It's gonna be fun. Yo 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 yo. There he How is. How you doing, buddy? How you doing, like? <laughs> <laughs> so i i had to introduce i had to come on as tommy for a second at least yeah. <laughs> i love it i love it what's up brother good to so, see you man. wait you've you've obviously talked to moot as tommy several times <laughs> so many but, times in the last year i mean but you've never <laughs> looked at him while he's doing it what is this like oh listen it's awesome and, and and it's exactly what I expected. The unexpected, like you, yeah, right. hear, you, you don't hear, you don't fit the voice. So I, I, listen, I was expecting to see some hundred and fifty pound guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, with the with the whole South Philly thing going. But yeah, no, listen, hey, thank you, man. That 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 has been a, a great addition. Uh, to the show, so thank you oh, for that. Thank oh man, you. well you know Spike knows this, but like I've been listening to WIP for I've been listening to you on the radio for years. So <laughs> getting to come on as sort of a character that's just like so many of the great callers and yeah. get, get to become that guy and be on with you guys, that's like surreal. It's amazing. It's like I, I told Spike this, like it's a it's a bucket list thing for me. So and then I even got hold my on, own. So theme for song. Me, hold on, hold on. So for me, give me like give me like. Give me like one or two lines in, in Tommy's voice. 
Yeah, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, and I know that I love bologna sandwiches, right? You know what I mean? You know, I love dancing. Yeah. You know, I love the Eagles. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> I just had to make sure that you weren't Jack Fritz. So now no, no. I got actual proof that Jack Fritz is not Tommy from down the shore. I got proof. Nah, man, this is a genuine article right here, like, <laughs> And I would like to thank you for your service. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, the entire Tommy character along with, so you've never heard, I, you've never heard, Tommy has a partner in crime, Tony, Tony to Tony. And the reason... The reason he's named Tony, Tony to Tony is that his mom <laughs> slept with one of the members of Tony, 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 and doesn't know which one it is. That's the story, no! but that, that's not, that no, is, it's, that's it's the backstory. <laughs> so yeah, those, the characters are born out of our collaboration, which is the, uh, the hoagie yeah, hour, the hoagie hour. And it is, the hoagie hour. and it's really a tribute <laughs> to WIP callers. Like I would, right. I mean, basically, yeah. yeah, yeah without Tony a question, T and Tommy. Yeah. 100%. Oh, man. It's born out of years of just listening to the radio and, <laughs> and listening to you guys interact with the cast of characters that come on there. I mean, it's like, but after a while, it's just instinct. Yeah. It just comes naturally like drinking water, eating hoagies, eating bologna sandwiches. Man. I can go right in and out of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I can't even get water right. Is it water? Is it water? Wood. You can't do it. Water. Wood. <laughs> water. Water. Yeah, I can't even get that right. Yeah, you're getting it, man. You got, you know, getting a nice, nice tune on that, you know, on that kind of, on the water, on the wood. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we invited you on to talk about one of uh, one of your favorites, yeah, one of my why favorites. Why the hell am I on this show? Like, why, why the hell am I here? Now? We are we are <laughs> we are paying tribute to DMX, who passed away last week. It's not surprising to me that you were a fan. Like I, I think our, your your opinion on which rappers you like and which ones I like, I think are are close a lot of times. So I wasn't really surprised that you were a big DMX guy. What was it? You know, when, when people talk about certain rappers, they talk about Nas, they talk about his lyrics, they talk about Biggie, it's like his flow. What was it about DMX that resonated with you? Man, DMX, listen, DMX was the dude I grew up up the street from. Like DMX is 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 the um it's funny, he's only a few years older than me, but it's perfect because DMX is the older dude up the street <laughs> listen thank god my brother does not listen to podcasts like my older brother doesn't listen to podcasts so dmx is the guy up the street that i would have wanted my big brother to be like that like like that's dmx you know what yeah. i mean so yeah D D dmx is that guy in the neighborhood that we all knew i knew growing up while I love my big brother to death and he taught me a lot and showed me a lot, I actually had I had to become the big brother. But DMX would have been the guy that I would have wanted my big brother to be. So that 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 personality, everything about his background, the toughness, the ruggedness, that that was something that as a youngster that I would have gravitated to. And he just remind me the older guys in my neighborhood that I sort of, from afar, I sat back and watched and I idolized, 
but I didn't necessarily imitate completely. You know what right. I mean? So, yeah. you know, I, 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 I wish I was that guy, but a, a, a part of me was like, dude, jail life, you ain't, you ain't about that jail life. So yeah, you know, <laughs> like, that, like that ain't where you want to be at. So, you know, while, while I had the toughness, there was still a part of me that said, you know, there's also a way that you can use your intellectual to further yourself in life. And the one thing that DMX doesn't get a lot of credit for is his intelligence. Because he was a very smart, conscious rapper, yeah. Yeah. right? So if, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you were to dig into his lyrics, you, you, could, you could pull a lot out of, out of what he was talking about. Well, even like on the first record, there's two on uh, It's Dark in Hell is Hot. There's two songs where he's basically playing two roles. Like there's Damien. What up, D? You just move. I seen you when nobody knew who pulled the trigger. Yeah, you know, it's always overdone. You sure? I could have swore it was over a hole. Nah, nah, that ain't my style. Maybe you stay frightened, but you still my man. I ain't gonna say nothing. That's your week. Go ahead, smoke it. What? Go ahead, drink it. What? Go ahead and fuck shorty. You know I and there's Stop Being Greedy. where he's basically talking about like the the angel on the shoulder and the devil on the shoulder and and telling him what to do and it's such a a creative way of doing it i was talking to my guitar teacher earlier like one of my favorite things about dmx records is that they're not feet they're not full of a bunch of features they're not full of a bunch of you know, other people singing hooks. It's like DMX rapping and DMX singing the hook and then DMX rapping again and DMX barking in the background during the chorus. But like, you have to be pretty clever to have like all of that different texture when it's really just you doing everything. Yeah, and if, if, you, if you follow DMX and particularly when he was on his road to recovery, he had got out of being incarcerated. It seemed like he was back on the right path and, and he did a lot of reflecting on, on his life and, and where the songs came from. And BET did a, um, like a four or five part documentary series on Rough Riders. I was, I was all in on that. Cause I, I, I love that Rough Riders era. I, I loved all that. And to see how DMX came about, you hear him talk about the different personalities that live within him that, that he had to deal with on a daily basis. The one thing I love about DMX the most, he was authentic, right? Right. So you got to see his flaws. You got to see his genius. You got to see him be vulnerable. You got to see him be in his weak moments. He never hid his drug addiction. All those things he was very open and honest about. And when you talk about Damien, the omen, and the other side of DMX, those were actually personalities that DMX was struggling to juggle on a daily basis. Right. Like he, he talked about how he needed those multiple personalities to sort of keep each other in line to keep him sane. And so to talk to, with Damien, that, that was the dark side of DMX. That that was right. that was the side he struggled with. The the 
the constant side of pulling him into negativity and the robberies and the drug addiction and all of that. But he also had that conscious side of him that knew that's not what he wanted to be, but he was constantly fighting it, man. And, and it's with these artists like DMX, Tupac, some of the others, somehow I sort of gravitate to. It's that complexity of, to the outside, everything looks like a life you would want, but you can also be tortured by it, right? Like, like mm-hmm. you, you, you struggle to find happiness even in the area where you think you've reached what you thought was your dreams. And, and DMX can never find, he, he struggled to stay in that area of, uh, of happiness and peace. And, and he often talked about the struggles that he had and, and, and Damien was, was, that was a song and, and that was sort of a, a character that he used throughout his albums that, that, that he would go back to. And I always, I always thought that was a, uh, just a unique perspective on, man, this, this, this dude was really battling with some different forces internally that unless you really took time and, 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 let the music sort of hit you and resonate with you. Some of that stuff, a lot of his fans, it, it passed over him. They, 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 they just took it as good music when really he was given a testimony every time that he put a song together. You touched on this, like he had that vulnerability, that honesty. At first glance, you look at it, you say, well, what he's most recognized for is that toughness, that swagger, that attitude. But there was m- m- many levels to him. And uh, like a song like Slippin', you know, he kind of gives you his personal story. That's my favorite DMX song. And you get in five minutes, you get a snapshot of his struggle, you know, coming up, living in group homes. And he gives yep. you the whole arc of so many things he's been through. Then there was another level of like the spirituality. And that was a constant undercurrent, mm-hmm. like his faith, his belief. But alongside what he communicated, all the levels that he communicated as a person, which was complex. And like you said, kind of contradictory, but cathartic. He had the voice. That's, you know, we talk about the greatest. I always think about like Gamble and Huff always talked about their favorite singers were the ones that not only had the great vocal instrument, but were distinctive. Like you, you heard in a few lines, you, 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 they were unmistakable. They were immediately recognizable. And among the great MCs, you know, like Biggie, like Rakim, people like this, DMX was unmistakable, singular, a few bars of DMX, you know, it was him, the, the, the intensity, the energy, you know, and he couldn't be imitated. People try, but, you know, right. he was singular, <laughs> one of a kind, you know? Yep. Ike, you mentioned like authenticity. So he can't, I, I will, and maybe it's because we're all about the same age. Maybe it's because of my age. But to me, the rap that came out from like, you know, 92 to 99 or 2000, that was the best, right? Like that was, the, to me, that was the best era. But there were a lot of, there were a lot of people that you couldn't tell whether the stories they told in songs were 
true or not true, right? There was a lot right. of, I dealt drugs here. I shot this guy, yada, yada. There was something that always seemed, it was funny how you described DMX as like the, the older dude on the street that had all the stories that like was probably standing outside the store all the time that knew where everybody was going to be. <laughs> like he, yeah. he definitely, he definitely came off that way. He came off as authentic when not everybody did. And you didn't even really have to be authentic in that era. You know, like it was the bad boy era was, was during then, which was yeah. awesome, but it wasn't about authenticity. But I think his, like you said, his voice made him stick out and his authenticity, I think made him stick out too. No, 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 no doubt about it, Spike. And, you know, DMX came along at a time, at least for me, I thought rap needed DMX when he came along. You know, I'm a Tupac guy. You know, that's that's my that's my Kendrick spirit, Tupac. Like that, that's my guy. So Tupac dying or being killed at 25 years old and Biggie shortly after, we needed a DMX. We we and, and you talked about Bad Boy and Puffy, and that was a part of hip hop that I can appreciate, but it's not the part of hip hop that resonated with me the way Tupac did, the way, you know, I go back to Public Enemy, X-Clan, like, like the, the, the conscious rappers, the rappers that said something that meant something. DMX, even though his message wasn't necessarily the same and it progressed, you still kind of knew that's where we were as a society. And that's where a lot of the people that I was right behind DMX, so that's where we were. So the first single was Get At Me, Dog. Do you remember when you heard it? Because I, I remember hearing it and then going right to, I was in Syracuse at the time. So I went right to this shopping town mall, I think, and I bought it at Media Play. And I remember having that single and dying for it to come out. Do you guys remember when you first heard them? For me, it was, it's funny because DMX, I was actually preparing for the draft. Right. In 1998, DMX, DMX came like right, right after like Master P was like right in that era of yeah. being popular then. Right. Yep. And, and while I could appreciate that, DMX brought that New York, that rough, that East Coast sort of gruff flavor back to to the rap game. And so for me, it was. It was actually during my, my training time, getting ready for the draft and working out. And because, you know, as athletes, we need that workout music. We need that. We need that music. So DMX, get at me, dog. It, 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 it was the perfect music to train and, and, and listen to to get you hyped. He was like a soundtrack. But when you wanted to work out, get amped up and get pumped up. I mean, DMX was the best thing to listen to. I imagine DMX has got to be right at the top of the list of pregame <laughs> hype. But like if you had a top five artist that as you were prepping for the game, especially on game day, that you would put on just to get you in that zone, especially playing defense, you got to have even more like yeah. that, 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 that energy. Like who, who would that top five be alongside DMX? Oh, listen, easy for me. I went DMX. I went Tupac. Now I'm I'm more, the, I'm more of a West Coast guy, so you know I'm an Ice Cube guy too. Yeah. So back then, you know Ice Cube, Scarface. I love Scarface. Oh yeah. 
you know, back then, ghetto boys. Uh, I'm trying to think. And Jay-Z points in my career, right? So the, the earlier part of my career when I was young and wild and, you know, it's funny because Philadelphia at that time was a hotbed for rap music. State Property, Beanie Siegel, all those guys, man. That yeah. was the early 2000s. That was Cassidy, all those guys. Cassidy. Uh, freeway. Yeah, all those right? guys. Freeway man. came out. So, freeway. Right. So, you yeah, guys. Freeway, all those guys. So the, the, the funny thing for me, I was so enamored with being in a city where a bunch of rap groups were actually hot at the time. I couldn't help but do a bunch of Philly music back then. So along with my Tupac, DMX, Ice Cube, Scarface, I had to throw in my Benny Siegel, my state property, my like, like I had to throw in my my Cassidy, even though he had, you know, some of Cassidy's songs were kind of like club songs, right? Yeah, like, yes. Like, so. Cassidy was a club rap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a Philly group before your time here and it called Ram Squad. I don't know if they were Oh yeah. You Ram remember Squad, Ram Squad? Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking about it and I'm remembering and because I just looked up the date and I'm like, I must have heard DMX before Get At Me Dog and where I heard him the first time. And I thought he was on more. I thought he was on more featurings than he was. And it was really only like seven or eight songs, but he was on 24 Hours to Live on the Mace album. It was a great, he was on 24 Hours to Live, and I don't remember when the Locks album came out, but he was on uh, Money, Power, Respect, too. Yes. And like, yes, but, but him being on 24 hours to live, you were like, he was on a bad boy album and you're like, this guy's not like the other guys, you know, like, and that's how, that's how rappers grew back then. Right. Because so this was cool J track too. Wasn't there? He was on four, like three, two, one. Right. He had a big yes. feature. I think yes. that's kind of maybe yes. where I first heard him. Yeah. And was so that was that was, right before the was first? Was that song record? out first? Was four three two one out first? No. So I think fourth. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. So the story behind four three two one for anybody listening, and I'm sorry if you don't know it uh, already, is that. LL Cool J does the song 4321, has DMX on it, has Method Man on it, has uh, Cannabis on it. LL Cool J and Cannabis makes a comment about LL on there. He says uh, that he's going to rip. Yeah, like he's going to rip the mic off your arm. LL Cool J goes and re-records his verse to yeah. make cannabis look small. And that's what started the cannabis LL Cool J uh, yeah. war. Yeah. And, that's, and, and then you know was, what? I forgot, Spike. I forgot DMX was on that song. He is. Yeah. Wow. Um, oh, did, 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 yeah. And that know? was before. That was 97. So that was before Get At Me Dog came out. So 4321, he was on. 
Okay, so I must. So I heard that one first. So yeah, did the um did the money, power, respect? What year did that come out? So that I was in college. So let me look. Money, power, respect. That might be the first song that I remember DMX on, like money, power, respect. That might with the locks and and Lil Kim and all. Lil that. Kim, yeah, uh, yeah, that was right around the same time, ninety eight. So it could have been the yeah. first thing you heard to to yeah, yeah. could have been yeah. Yeah. yeah, it certainly might have been his first, um, like, like the, um, like the radio hit mm-hmm. when I when I heard that because I certainly I, I I definitely remember that. Yeah, the uh, money, power, respect for sure. I used to love the locks, man. I'm a I'm a big Jada Jada Kiss. Yeah, I oh, love yeah. Jada Kiss, man. <laughs> yes, sir. It's interesting too because when he hit, I mean, I'm hard pressed to think of another artist that made the kind of impact that he did. Those first three records came out in the course of like a year and a half. It was like 98, yeah. 99. Every single record went to number one. Every single record, all three of those were multi-platinum. Those hits like Party Up, X Gonna Give It To You, Rough Rider, and those were just constant heavy air. You heard those songs everywhere. But it's interesting to realize with him that in some ways, maybe to the bigger music listening audience, he kind of came out of nowhere. He'd actually been at it for like a decade. At that point, I think he'd even had a deal with Rough House in the early 90s. Oh, really? Yeah. And had made a few singles. But, you know, it's kind of like he seemed like he came out of nowhere just on some of those features. But, you know, it's like it's never a overnight thing, you know, and his style, the way he crafted it, what he did. That was years of honing that in. I always find that interesting because at the time it seemed like, well, where'd this guy come from? And you never heard anything like this with this like this energy and this attack that he had in his voice. It just uh there were just so many distinctive elements, but that was something that he sort of, you know, gradually built towards. And 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 obviously back then the internet was in its infant stages. I didn't I didn't get DMX until he was on mainstream radio, right? So I'm out I'm out in Michigan and Ohio, and so unless his songs are being played out there, mm-hmm, like right. I'm not really getting a lot of DMX. And as a matter of fact, I'm trying to remember. Who came out first? Did, did Ja Rule come out before DMX or did DMX come out before Ja Rule? So that was all right around the same time because because ja, ja Rule's big, that big uh, song was the Jay-Z song with the girl on it. It was uh, Can I yeah. Get A. Can I yeah. Get A was uh, like the hit. I remember that one. Yeah. And that, so I was in college for that and I was doing a party. That had to be 97, 98, right around the same time. Okay. It That's what I'm saying. Be- yeah, like all the, all the, they, they, they sort of run in together with me. But I just, being out in the Midwest, we're probably getting music, especially from a guy like DMX, later than you guys are getting it out here in Philadelphia and out here on the East Coast. Because yeah. let me tell you, we, we, we were still bumping um. The, the the master P about uh, it about it and all that <laughs> yeah. nonsense was still going on big out there. Silk the shocker, yeah. We <laughs> yeah <laughs> we, yeah. You you mentioned Ice Cube. We did we talked about the Predator. We usually do three albums per uh, per podcast. We talked about the Predator like three weeks ago. But yeah, all people now, if you tell them that the whole West Coast rappers and the East Coast rappers were like at war. Basically, right. where like people were getting shot, and it's just unbelievable that era of rap music, you know. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. It's when uh, <laughs> it's when keeping it real was really going wrong back then. Yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah, it, was, yeah it was too much keeping it real 
going on back then. But but that's that's how hip hop sort of grew. That's where it grew from. And so, you know, it's a lot different today than it was back then. And thankfully it is. I mean, as much as we like our old school music and our lyrics and all of that, at least today's music doesn't seem as filled with much as, as much animosity from an East Coast, West Coast, it's sort of a region thing. A lot of these uh, artists today, they work together. They, they work yeah. together and collaborate. The reason, honestly, radio is the only reason that I ended up hearing DMX first. It was my college radio station. Like we would do a, we did a, like a hip hop, like Saturday night radio show. And we would buy my, my roommate who was like the DJ would buy. So when you, you were a DJ, then you would get in what was called a record pool. And you would give this guy like 40 bucks every week. And you would just go up and pick, pick up like a stack of vinyl. And it would be, you wouldn't even know what was in there. Um, and some of them, and that's what's called a white label. I don't know if you've heard of that. Like a white label is a record that isn't released anywhere. They just did it and pressed it and sent it out to people. And it only went out to DJs. And that was probably the first time. That was why I got to hear things early. It was because of radio. It was just because of working in radio. So you guys were getting music early. Yeah, just getting get music, music early. early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, what's kind of sad with him and it's with a lot of artists and we've talked about like a ton of them is you feel bad that he struggled so much with so many things. You know, he struggled with depression, obviously just struggled with drugs, struggled with, you know, where he grew up without all of those things. We don't get DMX, the artist. And, and the music, by the way, holds up in an amazing way. Like when he died, I went back and listened to all these things. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe how much I love this stuff. Man, I had um, a good weekend listening to all that music, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. all weekend. Yeah. And you forget how many good songs on each album. Like you mentioned the first three, you know, It's Dark as Hell is Hot. Uh uh, flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood was the third, and uh, and then there was X. Is that yeah? And those yeah, were all within X, yeah. a year and yeah. a half, and they were dense albums depression. too. Those those were oh, like yeah. 20, 20 track. I mean, there's a lot of music on each and every one of those yeah. uh, those records. It's pretty it's pretty amazing. And there's a Spotify playlist I was just going through. They did a real nice compilation, kind of going even to some of the later stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't know that we were talking about this at the beginning. I don't know that people fully realize the the scope of what he talked about and what he communicated lyrically. I think people, people were like more casual music fans or hip hop fans. I think they think of that initial phase of DMX, but his journey was much more multifaceted than that. And I think was, wasn't there, he was, he was, he had become a preacher or he was working on becoming a preacher, I think later yeah. on in, in his life. So, I mean, he, he had a real journey. He went through so many different things. Mace is now. Mace is a Mace is a preacher. I follow him on Instagram. He just he puts sermons up on Instagram. It's crazy. Does he still make records though? I don't I don't know if he still. No. He hasn't in uh, years. No, he hasn't in years. Yeah, I, I don't think we need a Mace song. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what Mace is going to talk about right now. Underrated, yeah, like, man. I'm just saying he is. He I think good. he's an underrated. He was the opposite of DMX too. Yes. as intense as DMX was, Mace was just so. Yeah, so laid back. laid back. It was like opposite yeah. ends of the spectrum. I could, I could never get into it, man. I, really? I could never get into Mace. I could never get into it. Nope. Oh, now, you said some, some of his, some of his um, collaborations he did, mm -hmm. like Biggie or whatever, that became radio songs. I certainly like those, but 
Mace, I just, I don't know what it was, man. I, just, <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I need it. You know what it is? I need, I need my rappers to, to have tattoos and, and you know, bald head. And, yeah, Mace, Mace looked too cool to be a rapper, man. He just looked too cool to be a rapper. <laughs> When uh, I think it was like five years ago, the Bad Boy 20th anniversary tour yeah. came around and my wife, my wife got tickets for us to go. And like, I, I wanted to cry, but I'll tell you when a bunch of 40 year olds go to the one concert they're going to go to a year and they show up <laughs> and it's everybody they haven't seen in 20 years. And then there's surprises like DMX did show up and like, right. I, I, I I thought every every time somebody came out on stage, it felt like the entire place was gonna like ex, like the roof was gonna blow off. That everyone was so excited. It was. Well, now, now where'd you go to see them at? It was at the Wells Fargo Center. Really? Yeah, yeah. How did I miss that? Oh, I don't know. The Bad Boy twentieth. I think it was twentieth anniversary tour. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. It was so. I would good. like to have seen that. I, I don't think I've seen. Um, I'm trying to think. I, dude, I seen Biggie. Biggie, Biggie performed at Michigan State before he died. Yeah, we used to get artists. Yeah, Biggie performed at Michigan State with Junior Mafia. It must have been 95 or 96. I think that's the only time I've ever seen any bad boy artist. I don't think I've ever seen any other bad boy artist. So I, I saw the, the original bad boy tour, the bad boy in the family world tour was like 95 or 96. And I saw that right. twice. My college ice cube played ice cube played. I, I went to USC yeah, freshman year yeah. and ice yeah. cube. Yeah. 94 freshman year. Yeah. I would have yeah, loved to have done that. Uh, that bad boy 20th anniversary. I don't know. I don't know. I must've didn't know about that, man. I would have loved to have done that. Yeah, that's a you and the wife sweet tickets, right? Yeah, Isn't that what man, that show you is? know it. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost strange to think of it that way, isn't it? Bad Boy 20 years. I mean, I feel like I remember the time when those records were new and this was like a new, fresh thing. I don't know. It's just, it's it's weird how music, you live with it over time and then you kind of feel your age as you live on. Yeah. And you keep yeah. connecting to it in a nostalgic kind of yeah. way. But it's crazy because hip hop now is almost like, kind of become like what classic rock was like the rock music that was in, in the seventies that was coming out sixties and seventies. We call it classic rock. Well, hip hop's in that place. Now, a lot of these artists that we're talking about, you know, 25, 30 years, you know, thinking about yeah. it's kind of yeah. crazy. And, and, the, and the whole art form has just grown and grown and grown. That's something about someone like DMX. There are certain artists that come along their presence in the art form. It could be any style of music. It pushes it forward. And it expands the the range of what it can do, and there and right. he's someone who's at once hugely influential, and yet can't be imitated. And those are the kind of artists I think Biggie's like that. I always Rakim has always been my favorite uh, MC. Yeah. I, I don't know if he had quite the impact like commercially, but I think there's like there was hip hop before Rakim and hip hop after him, it's specific, specifically for MCs like mm -hmm. the lyrical skill that he had the the dexterity, the, the complexity, intricacy of his lines, you know. Um, but DMX is one of those artists. I mean, you got you to gotta put him up there as game changer. And DMX has been on record as saying that Rakim was his favorite artist. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's oh, yeah. Crazy. Oh, yeah. That's, that's yeah. DMX has been on record as saying, like, Rakim, he, um, he, he said he would go to two concerts only to see two people. The, the Rakim and Scarface. 
Those were ah. his two favorite artists. Yeah, those were his two favorite rap artists. In well, a way, and- it makes sense when you think of his style because he has that same thing where he can weave lines together. It's like vocal command. Not not yeah. every rapper has that. Uh, I think Black Thought from the Roots has that too, where it's like when you dissect the lines, like it's there's there are lines within lines and rhymes within rhymes, and you got to really listen in to hone in. I just think Rakim was a game changer, but that's crazy. But I didn't realize that DMX was so influenced. Yeah, I mean, that was, yeah, yeah, that was his. Yeah, he said that was his favorite rapper, Rakim. Yep. Well, Rakim was kind of like an MC's MC. Like he, people yes. liked him, but but that was what other rappers looked to. I think Rakim's a guy that you hear about a lot when you talk. Yep. You know, when you talk to rappers, do you think the younger well, generation you're, you're knows him? Remember the old uh, Rakim Big Daddy Kane battles? Yeah, of course, That's right? <laughs> well, and I think, and both of them were on. It's not the whole soundtrack; it's only about half of it. But half of this Juice soundtrack. Half of yeah. the soundtrack for Juice with because <laughs> yep. it's got Big Daddy Kane, Eric B and Rock Kim. It's got naughty by nature on it. Like it's it is it's like sort of a time capsule. And that's like 91, 91, 92. Yes. Yeah. Around the, oh man. Yeah. What a great, great movie. Um, so do you have a, before we get to your five favorite rappers, do you have a, a five, five favorite X songs like that you would put on your, your all time? Like if you could only listen to five. Yeah. All right. Listen, it's, and, and that's not easy to get no, down that's to five songs. Like, <laughs> right? I mean, I think I had 12 to 15 songs. Oh my God. I'm like, okay. Man, like, man, you talking about five songs? Like, well, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's hard to get down to five songs, man. It's hard. You want me to give you my five? I want you to give you my five. I want you to give us your five, even though right. you we know deep down it's twelve. Oh man, it's really fifteen. But yeah, you I, I you can give all the you five. can give the honorable <laughs> mentions, but you got to give the five. <laughs> all right, all right. Here, here, here's my five from five to one. Okay. So number five. Get at me, dog. It's money with the biggest mouth, let's off the stuff. Come on. I guess it never made a sound. Way too fing hard and he getting bust down. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I gotta go with number five. Get at me, dog. That's 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 one of the first ones. Okay. Um then I'm a big fan because I love the um the Great Depression album. Mm. So we right here. Mm-hmm. We ain't going anywhere. We right here. <laughs> yeah, so I love that one. And then I got to go with uh, off, um, yeah, the second album, and then there was X. Uh, what's my name? One more time. I'm going to spit at you some shit that's going to get at you and be fucking with your mind. Stop talking shit. Because you out there running your mouth and really don't know who you fucking with. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, these are all my hype songs, man. Yeah, these are all my, like, my hype songs. And then the top two, you gotta go with the Rough Riders anthem. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta go with that as number two. Yeah. 
it up like a candle Just cause I can't stand you Put my stuff on tapes Like you busting grapes Think you holding weight And you haven't met the apes Stop Drop Shut them down And then my number one favorite is Slippin' Oh, slipping, wow. slip, yeah, Slippin' is the song that uh, whatever I want to, like, I, I must have listened to Slippin' at least, at least 10 times since, since Friday night, at least 10 times since Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, one, that's one of my favorites right there. It reminds me that song, it reminds Chester Bennington, the singer from Lincoln Park when he died and he died of a, a drug over, he killed himself. Um, he, you go back and you listen to the lyrics after that happened. And you're like, it, it puts everything in a different context. You know, you're like, Oh man, he really was going through things, yes. you know? And like that yes. all, DMX is like, I'm slipping, I'm falling. I can't get up. And like his man. whole life was man. him getting up and slipping and get, and in the end he, you know, he, he couldn't, he couldn't win. But I think that that song is like, enigmatic of his entire life you know let me tell you dude it's the truth i'm sitting there and i'm, I'm going through youtube videos like dmx dying hit me man it, it hit mm -hmm. me over the weekend like it, it hit me right because like it, it 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 brings your own mortality into view and and and, and he's slightly older than us uh, you know the struggles that he went through. I'm looking at YouTube videos over the weekend, and you know I, I get caught going down a rabbit hole of just watching different interviews of DMX over the mm -hmm. years, and 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 recently, like recent stuff. And man, I, I'm sitting there watching a video of DMX, and he was on this show called. Uh, you guys probably I don't even know if you guys ever heard of it. It's called. Um, let me get her name right. Ayana or Ayala, help me. It's like it, it's it's like a, a self-help okay. sort of TV hmm. show where she's trying to help DMX and his son sort of build and mend their broken relationship from years past. So I'm, I'm sitting there and, I, and I'm watching this and it's about a, about a six minute video you know, DMX's son has some stuff he wants to get off his chest to DMX about, you know, watching, you know, watching his dad as he grew up and stuff that his dad missed out on. Just, just, just father-son stuff, right? That 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 they needed to get over the hurdle of. And I'm watching this dude, man, and how much he was hurting over not understanding where the relationship was broken with he and his son and how he thought he was doing everything he could do and yeah. doing the right, just the way that, the only way that he grew up and how he knew how to be a father. He didn't have a father growing up. His mother dropped him off at a boy's home and living there. And so he felt abandoned from his parents. So he thought, you know, providing for the family and, and, and working hard and doing all these things is what a father was supposed to do. And because he didn't know how to express the love for his son, it, it was it was heartbreaking to him that he thought he was doing yeah. all the right things, but it wasn't enough. 
And man, I do, I, I, I do, I swear to God, man, I broke, I, I, I teared up and broke down just at how much it meant to him that he wasn't connecting with his son like he, like he was attempting to. And he, he thought he was doing everything that he could to show his son how much he loved him and he cared for him. But it wasn't coming across the way that he thought it should. And that his son was hurting from that. And just watching that, man, it just, it just, for those of us that, that didn't, and listen, my father passed away when I was a kid. So it wasn't that I was abandoned or anything of that nature. My father just died when I was three years old. But not not having that, that relationship with your father, man, and seeing how much it meant to him, what he thought he was doing wasn't enough. Man, it just, it just hit me, man. And just it just made me realize how much this dude was he was misunderstood in so many, so many ways that he was truly a guy who who was just he wanted to love and give love, but also he had a hard time accepting being loved. Like he didn't know how to accept. Yeah being loved and, and 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 that goes back to what we talked about earlier spike about the 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 angel and the devil on the shoulders it, it was always a complex relationship with life that he had that even when he found joy he couldn't truly find happiness and it just it just made me feel for him that man this this dude was a soul that that was just looking to be cared for all, all this time well, yeah. And when your whole, when your whole image is tough, 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 you know, like we don't get to see that. And, and I think, right. I think to an extent, he probably blocks that out a lot too, you know? And I think mm-hmm. later in his life, cause I, I saw an interview where he was telling a story about um, like, a, I think it was like a, a blunt that got laced with crack and he didn't know. Yeah. yeah. And oh, like, just that's how, tears. that's how he got hooked on drugs. That's how right. he got hooked on yeah. And he just like in tears because he's, he's going back now and thinking about his life and how things could have been different. And, and I, I'm sure him talking to his son like that, like all that time that he feels like is wasted, you know, right. that he'll never get back all because he didn't know, you know, all because yeah. he didn't know. Yeah. It's heavy too. Like you read his life story and man, he was like, he was traumatized as a kid. And it's interesting how, what, when someone has gone through such a difficult experience, there was some, there was something I read somewhere. I think it might've been, there was a great New York times article on him. I think it might've been in there. The wrong, the writer thing is John Cameronica or something like, uh, let me get his name right actually. But he was just talking about how he made a great point about how even when DMX had so much success, it wasn't like necessarily celebratory, but it was catharsis. So even when, so for him to go through all this in the public eye and I'm thinking about other stars. Like it's it's not like the fame and the success and the recognition that doesn't make you whole. If anything, when you put there's more scrutiny put on you, that can be even more debilitating in some ways. Because now every move you make is mm-hmm. is sort of chronicled. Then it's a John Caramonica. He he wrote a great piece in the New York Times about about DMX, and he had said this was actually the tagline of that article was had he had no imitators because there was no way to falsify the life that forged him. That was kind of the tagline of the article. I thought right. that line really spoke to me, but just the fact that he went through so much and then 
he had the success he had, but it didn't necessarily that success brings other challenges and other problems. And then to hear what this, uh, I guess this like therapy session kind of thing you're talking about, it's like, man, even at the end, he he was struggling trying to process everything, trying to understand all of it. That's just sad, man. That's heartbreaking. And, 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 and and you watch his shows, like, and and, and you, you, he did a lot of, um, whether it was praying before the shows or he made sure he closed his show out with, with, with prayer and, and, and that's that's just it just goes to show you that he just wanted to be able to reach out and, and, and tell his story. Right. And, you know, that's interesting to me because a lot of times when an artist has that kind of huge commercial success right out of the gate, over time, staying in the music business, there are temptations to make certain commercial compromises to dilute or sanitize mm-hmm. what they do. This guy was incapable of that. He never had to do that. He always there was just always a, a like a vitality and a and an intensity and a heaviness to him that he couldn't have done that. He couldn't have made right. those commercial <laughs> those commercial concessions because yeah. that's actually not what connected people to him. And yet he did connect on this huge level that was way beyond just the hip hop audience. I mean, he was a pop music star, really, when you think about it. I mean, oh, yeah. Appeal, yeah, selling millions and millions of records, having songs on the charts. So I think he's unique in the sense that he didn't really have to change himself or change what he did. It, it, that's actually rare to stay in music, to keep that level of reach and profile in the way that he did. Yeah, that I really. agree. Uh, what's your top five, Moot? You got a top five? Yeah, well, this is a, this, this is a tough one because... Uh, go, here we I'm, go. I'm going to work backwards. I'm going to work backwards. Yeah, okay. I'm going to work backwards, okay? Um, okay. I'm going to work backwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's surreal, right? I, like I've spoken to you on the radio so many times, Tommy, but now the shore. Now we're talking like as Ike and Mutlu. It's like surreal. <laughs> no, but uh, I'm gonna go. See, it's tough. I'm gonna go oh five, five four, and three could all be interchangeable. But number five, I'm gonna go Rough Riders Anthem. Okay. Okay. I feel like yeah. that's one of the these three songs I remember when I first got exposed to DMX. I feel like there was a time when I was just hearing him everywhere. That one, Party Up, I think was the first like big hit of his own that I heard. But you still yeah. hear at in yeah in, in sports arenas. Yeah. yeah, that song is iconic. I mean, you. I think I don't. Need, I think maybe even people who don't listen to hip hop or yeah. know hip hop know that song. I, I How did I leave that out of my top five? How did I leave Party Up out of my top five? Man, uh, here we go. And I got to imagine that was a good hype song, right? That was a good. <laughs> yes. that, that's a great yes. hype song. And then yeah. another one, uh, number three would be X going to give it to you. I'm not giving all the obvious ones, but there's okay. nothing wrong with that. All, all the good ones, yeah. Obvious it's for a, a reason. Cla- it's a classic. Yeah. I mean, it's yes. just, you crank that thing up now and you you can't sit and listen to that. You got to you gotta move. It amps you up. But then, number two, I'm going to go with, maybe one that's a little more obscure, obscure Lord, give me a sign. And uh, oh, okay. yeah. that's a later one. But I, I like that one because that's like, we're talking about the side of DMX that people don't really know. Maybe the casual mm-hmm. fan doesn't know that's a song that's really speaking on his faith and his 
his search to find that connection. And it's a heavy song. And then number one, the same as your number one, I slip in. That song is just the autobiographical masterpiece. That's a great piece of songwriting in any genre. It's, it's, I don't even know the thing yeah. about it. Just a hip hop song. You talk about creating a narrative, giving so much of yourself in five minutes to people and uh, really talking about a lot of things that we talked about, how he's traumatizing as a kid, when he's talking about his father and he didn't, how he didn't know his father. And he's asking yeah. in the song what he did wrong. Like what, what was it that he did that his father, yeah, I mean, there's, that's a song you have to kind of go back and listen to over and you can't just listen one time because you want to dissect right. every line in it. Uh, so that that's that's my favorite as well. Number one. So my five are, are pretty chalk. I got to be honest. Like, right. I, I, well, I, I didn't want to make it too hard. I want to be honest. So five is stop being greedy. Four is keep your shit the hardest. Uh, from, I think that's yeah. it from when there was X. It just a, like makes you want to put, put your fist through a, a wall. Three, what's my name? Uh, to get at me, dog. And number one, like Rough Riders Anthem is the best one, man. Yeah. For me, yeah. it's like, it's in, it's just an undeniable song and, you know, stands the test of time for sure. Yeah. You mentioned, Ike, uh, before we let you go, you mentioned DM, uh, you mentioned Tupac is your favorite all time, number one. Yes. Right. Uh, also, my, and I wanted to say five favorite rather than five best because I think what happens is people get into, <laughs> five best and it's like you can argue best with, yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard That's to so argue subjective. Best with it, it depends on yeah. what you've spent the time with too isn't music yeah. is like such a subjective thing because there's some artists that for some reason at moments in your life you connected to them and they mean more to you it's that's not a conversation of better or best it's like it's hard no. it's hard to look at music the way we look at sports you know it's yeah. a totally different way to break it down so hey, listen, I, no. I'm that dude with seven or eight rappers in my top five. Yeah, the, <laughs> exactly. unsurprising. <laughs> There's nothing surprising about that. <laughs> so who do you have? All right, I'm gonna give you five. Okay. Let me just throw out. Let me throw out my honorable mentions right okay. now. Who are the let honorable mentions? Out, let me throw out Scarface and Ice Cube as my honorable mentions. They wow. had to be as my honorable mentions. Well, I really struggle with those two because, man, and, and man, all right. So th those two are like six and seven or five, however you want to put them. Okay. All right. So in no particular order, with the exception of Tupac being number one, mm -hmm. um, the other four rappers are Jay Z, Biggie, Eminem, and DMX. Like DMX, that that that's my top five. So you know. Pop, Jay-Z, Biggie, I love Eminem, I don't care what nobody says, and DMX. Like, like, like those are those are my five. And I would have had Ice Cube and Scarface right there, like fighting to get in my top five. I didn't know who to take out, Eminem or DMX, but Biggie, Jay-Z, and Tupac are my top three. So my top five, my my one is Tupac, and then the other four in my top five are in no order, Ice Cube, 
DMX, Redman, Eminem. And oh, you got Red Man in there. Okay. Oh, yeah, you got to love. Okay. He had the humor, man. He had the he had humor, the humor and he has a, a voice that you you yes. is unmistakable. And the th- you brought up Eminem, man. So the, one one thing about a lot of these guys, certainly for Ice Cube, certainly for DMX, I think certainly for Eminem, the first few albums are undeniable, and then they have some shit after that that yes. like. That's what, what happens. Hit, what happens. Hit or miss, you know, whatever. But like I, Ice Cube's first few, DMX's first few, Eminem's first few. Eminem, like every time an album comes out, I get excited and I listen to it. And I'm like, ah, I can't do this anymore. But when the first few came out, when Slim Shady and Marshall Mathers LP, Slim Shady's LP is listen, like, is un- was listen, unbelievable. I will still play the Marshall Mathers LP from start to finish today. I will still play the entire CD from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> love, love Eminem, man. Love Eminem. All right, Moot, top five. Okay, so... Uh, I'm sure you got nine on your top no, five. Right. Like so just, I, like, uh, just like I, I have three honorable mention that okay. could sneak in the list on any given day. Okay. I'll be Chuck D, okay. Talib Kweli, and okay. DMX, uh, because okay. I'm just as far as just incredible vocal uh, talent and yep. and lyrical talent. But otherwise, yep. my five in no particular order. I would say Rakim, mm-hmm. Biggie, mm-hmm. Q-Tip, Tribe mm-hmm. Called Quest, yeah, Nas, and Black Thought. He it's, went it's all a good lyricists. List. Yeah. Oh yeah, the heavyweight all lyricists. lyricists. Yes. Yep. And I think Q-Tip is a little different because he. When Tribe first came out, you know, he had a little bit more of a he has a little bit more of a laid back style, but just, you know, he's also like a musical mastermind the way he melded jet those jazz sounds and hip hop. And it's hard to mention Q-Tip without mentioning Fife because it was they had such an incredible tandem. But, you know, I think these these five. But this is such a tough thing to do because. Oh, boy. Yeah, you know. So I, let's say it's eight. It's it's five with the three honorable mentions. Yeah. And no, let me and let me tell you, there, there there's a difference between top lyricists, best mm-hmm. artists, all that type of stuff, right? Like for me, when you you have that, that's a great list of lyricists. I mean, right. my goodness, man! Black Thought, Nas, Q-Tip, like like these dudes could put words together to where. They're going to make you go back and listen to it again just so you can understand where they were coming from, especially Black Thought. Black Thought has never made a song that he hasn't made me listen to at least three or four times in a row, man. And is it me or is he almost people know him and respect him, but is he almost underrated in some ways? Like he there's no doubt about it. Yeah, he doesn't make commercial music. He doesn't make like like but but that Roots album. Listen. The Roots played at the Super Bowl for us. Oh, really? When I was oh. with the Eagles in Jacksonville. It's the only thing that was good about that night was, was the fact <laughs> that the Roots, the Roots, <laughs> the Roots, and I never heard a rap group sound like a band. Like, yeah. like, like, like when you hear them live, you're like, damn, this don't sound like no rap concert. This sounds like a band that's playing. And it sounds like the regular CD that's playing. So I, I love I love listening to the roots in, in, in person, man. That was yeah, that's a good treat for me. And I and I think about some of their earlier records too, like Black Thought, 
he's a good singer too. You know, he would almost do like uh like songs like that scat or uh yeah. you know <laughs> on, on Do You Want More and Organics like he you know they they're totally singular in the sense of that live band kind of aesthetic and he and he's a different kind of MC because I think he wouldn't necessarily just always stay purely in the in the rhyme and lyrical phase like he can sing you know uh he's you, you think of them on Fallon now like he's just a good yeah. like host like I'm thinking about the roots picnics and stuff like that he yeah he, he's multi-dimensional <laughs> he's just he he has like I just think they're I think he's unheralded though because when you've heard some of his freestyles uh there was something that he did on a radio station and and people were like and he, I remember he was trending on Twitter after that it's like as a freestyle it, it was Funk Master Flex right it, it was, was Funk Master Flex exactly yes. That was, yes. did you see that spike? That was unbelievable. Oh, that, yes. that was for, didn't he go on for like a really long time? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yes. And he just went off yeah. and he went yeah. off. It was like, oh my God. This is, yes. That kind of put it all to rest. And, I, and I, I remember seeing on Twitter people had never heard of, there were people who didn't know who he was. Like yeah. it was some, some new. He just a band member on the, uh, on the Fallon show. On the yeah, Jimmy right. Now, right. Yeah. right. <laughs> I guess that's maybe the curse to, if some people, that's all they know, they don't know the incredible musical right. depth that's there, you know, but, uh, but then again, being on TV every night's a good thing too. So it's a good gig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Ike, uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. This was, uh, this was fun to no get problem, to talk man. about this. This is the, this is the first time we don't have many guests on this pod. It's mostly just me and Moot and we, uh, we, uh, we've never done like one artist like this. We've never just celebrated one artist. So it's a shame that it had to happen with him passing away, but I'm glad that, that you came on and did it. It was good to remember him. Yeah, man. Wow, thank, thank you, you so much, me, man. man. And, and listen, thank you guys for shoot, man. You guys are big time DMX fans. So, you know, we, we got to honor him. So yeah. thank you guys for inviting me on the platform to show X some love. Throw up Absolutely. the X, baby. Yes, Thank you so much, Ike, man. Truly a pleasure, yeah. man. Thank you. All right, Tommy. Yo, you and yo, you know, yeah, it was nice to mix it up from talking, you know, <laughs> Eagles and Baloney <laughs> and dance moves. You know what I mean? Talking something a little more serious. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get it in. Awesome. There. Awesome. <laughs>